1: Hello there, this is Eat Sleep Work Pete. I'm Bruce Daisley. It's a podcast about making work better. Hello, 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 hello. I'm Bruce Daisley. This is a podcast about making work better. It really is a wonderful episode today. A lot of people have asked me if I'm going to do an episode on the importance of play at work. And it's the, the danger is it just conjures images of Beardiness and Hoxton design studios and one of the challenges of the word play is it's such a broad word and its associations aren't always helpful when it comes to bringing people together last week's episode was all about amazon warehouses and i think you'd struggle to win people over in that environment to suggest to them that they could do their jobs better by using play there's a book out this year, actually, which has sort of been the, the sort of naysaying voice in my ear. It's a book by Dan Lyons called Lab Rats, which is an angry takedown on where modern work has got to right now. I really like Dan and I really like that book. Uh, but there's a section in it where he criticizes Lego serious play, which is sort of a construction that's come off the, the Lego toys. And it's a way to try and encourage people to activate their creativity by, by using Lego at work. And Dan embodies what I worry about because he's takedown on that. He's so savage and because he's only taking one side of it, it seems so unarguable that I didn't want to create a badly targeted episode on play. It's taken me about 80 episodes to get here, but here is the episode that I think we needed on play. Heidi Edmondson is an emergency medicine consultant at the emergency department at the Whittington Hospital in London. You're going to find some lovely treats in the notes for this podcast. First of all, there's an article that Heidi wrote in The Guardian about how she used a 10-minute intervention every week to bring laughter and play to the workers in a highly stressful A&E department in the London hospital. The headline is, I introduce fun to the lives of A&E staff... The laughter was infectious. What I wanted to see was whether a workplace a long way away from neon slides and yoga balls, away from trendy design studios, could use play to re-energise themselves. We explore themes of how you can turn individuals into a team by getting them to play games with each other. And it's pretty clear by the end of this that Heidi is a real inspiration. She's a senior doctor who has recognised that exercises her team do on their learning time seem to re-energise them, inspire them, make them more connected, really. I think you'll end up wanting to read more of the theatrical exercises that Heidi has used. I've linked to a free PDF in the show notes this goes deep I think the question it begs is can playing games with each other be a simple way to remind ourselves of each other's humanity where that empathy the humanity that's restored that empathy seems to be a superpower that helps us do a better job I love this discussion so much there's so much we can learn from this here's my discussion with Heidi Edmonton Can you kick us off by just introducing who you are?
2: Yes, my name's Heidi Edmondson, and I'm an emergency medicine consultant currently working at the Whittington Hospital in North London.
1: And describe to me what life's like in the emergency medicine department.
2: Um, I think with emergency medicine, I think the first thing you says is, is variety. So as I'm a senior doctor now, my time is split between... My shop floor responsibilities and then other responsibilities that could be admin but are also about developing the service and developing the department so on a typical day on the shop floor you could sort of joke there is no typical day you basically come in i'm the most senior doctor on i'm working with um, junior doctors of various levels and abilities under me We just come in and patients will book in to be seen either being brought in by ambulance or walking in. They'll be seen on arrival by a nurse who will do a process called triage so she will uh, take some details, do some observations which are actually very important and give them a, a priority or order to be seen by and then you really do have to see them. People who've worked in emergency medicine for a long time would say actually it's quite simple because when you see them what you're really deciding is Interestingly, not necessarily what's wrong with them, but you just make a decision. um, Does this person need to come into hospital or not? If you decide they need to come into hospital, is there anything I have to do immediately for them, now for them, and then you do it? Is there anything else I have to arrange for them to bring them into hospital? And the alternative is, can this person go home? But is there any tests I need to do now today to make sure that's a safe decision? So my typical day when I'm doing clinical work is I will see a range of patients and make those decisions. I'll also be there as a source of, um, for junior doctors to come and ask me to review their patients, to help and guide them through that decision-making process. And then I have other responsibilities when I, in the clinical area. Uh, there's this sort of word emergency departments must flow. And what that means is you need to have patients coming in and going out and patients do need to keep moving out of the department to make sure there's room for the next for other patients to come in. So there's elements of managing a, a workload to make sure yeah. patients are moving out. It
1: feels to me like it would be a very emotion-filled place, where, not necessarily from a staff perspective, but I know any time that I've headed towards a and e, the emergency department, I've there's been a degree of panic, right? You know, you, you've headed there, and so I would have thought. A lot of the people you said you have two hundred ish, two hundred and fifty people come a day. Yeah, I, I'd have thought half of them are going to be in a state of panic or emotional distress, right?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think um, the, I think it is an emotional filled uh, place. I think there is an acknowledgement that you know a, a lot of people there are feeling anxious. A lot of people are scared. Um, Maybe sometimes it's not the the patient themselves that's feeling anxious or scared. I think perhaps their relatives will be with them. They'll be feeling anxious or scared. Do you,
1: is that is that emotion contagious? Do, do the staff feel like um, emotional demands upon them?
2: I think the staff. It's an interesting question to ask. I, mean, I suppose I'm so used to working in the environment now. I think it's like a lot of things. You 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 you're very it's just an environment that I am very used to being in I suppose I must pick up in some way the kind of emotional intensity of it I think it's like a lot of situations you see many people and and actually many people you're not picking up anything from but ultimately you do you do encounter people um And you probably are picking up a certain degree of emotion. Um, I think people can, you know, I think particularly when it's busy and there's long waits, you can certainly feel the sort of levels of frustration, and you're sympathetic to the levels of frustration from people. So you can pick that up from them. You see moments that are, I suppose, very sad, and and staff will be definitely affected by things that you know when when situations are 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 very, when you have to deal with things. You know patients who have come in and died, it will be sad, and you you will you will you will feel that sadness with them um and other times many patients you just tick through and you you're not really you know you're just not really aware of anything. Um, it's nice when, when patients are, are grateful and thank you. So you can sometimes feel you know, a certain amount of positivity from that. So I suspect I'm, I'm just very used yeah. to that environment now.
1: Yeah, I was just interested in that as a context of yeah. sort of what we're going to go on to talk yeah. about. Yeah. From the outset, I'm just keen to understand whether you, you see high levels of burnout or where you, whether you see high levels of people feeling that, that emotional intensity or even just the intensity of the, the work rate Impact upon them feeling burnt out over time.
2: I think there certainly are high rates um, of burnout, and uh, first of all, I know there's studies done in America um, and perhaps Australia um, that certainly say there's a high rate of burnout in all and many medical jobs, and the emergency medicine is is the highest rate of burnout. So that that is. sort of recognised within the world of medicine. I think from our own GMC survey, which was done, the most recent one was done in November, or the results came out in November, 2018. It looks at doctors in training or doctors who train such as myself. And again, for the first time in that survey, they asked about feeling burnt out or questions related to burnout. So that's the first time they've asked it. And again, they did find high rates of burnout. The second highest group of reflecting burnout were um, trainees in emergency medicine. I think 58, 59% of them said they expressed some feelings of that, that that they were trying to measure burnout. The highest rate was uh, ED trainers, such as myself, and it was 60 something, 65, I think, were expressing burnout. I think there was something else I read recently from, I cannot remember if it was an American paper and an Australian paper, but it said that uh, emergency medicine doctors, they almost reflect a very high rate of loving their job, but also the highest rate of burnout. So I suspect there is something about the job. um, There's a little bit of it's like a bit of a passionate relationship. People seem to love it very much, but then they'll also quite often uh, end up burnt out. With that as the context. Yeah. I
1: was interested in this piece that you wrote, which was about trying to bring fun or laughter to a very stressful environment. Yes. And I guess the reason why I was so taken with it is that quite often when you hear people talking about fun or notions of play, it feels a bit trivial, a bit sort of a guy on these MacBook in a coffee shop, Yeah, it, it doesn't feel connected with the real world. And so the very fact that you in this proper job, in this high intensity yeah. real job, we're talking about experimenting with it, really caught my attention. Yeah. So do you want to de-
2: describe
1: what you introduced?
2: Yeah, so first of all, I completely agree. So I, I, I feel that, it, I, I feel and I talk about this quite a lot, it's a huge issue to me, that I think fun is its own worst enemy or a victim of its own success because it's trivialized it's always always trivialized and i think as you say it seems to be a trivial kind of of thing Um, i think it's interesting it's even reflecting it was quite interesting around the time of the oscars the way people were pointing out um that, that that actually they never it was never comedies mm. they never get because they're they're trivial um they, they somehow or other don't seem to be taken as seriously or weighty as as things that are harrowing and difficult but I I sort of a, you know, feel that fun is is often trivialized and it's often very very demeaned or it's 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 meant it's not as ha- it's not as significant as as something that is harrowing my sort of journey with it and how I came to the point with it is I believed strongly and I I began to strongly wanted to do something about, I gave it the term wellness and staff. This was probably from about 2016 um, when we had the first very challenging NHS, the, the winter bed crisis, which you see every winter now is talked about. And, and that really made me want to do to do something to improve. And, and I use the term wellness for staff. We didn't have any time or we didn't have a budget or anything. But it, what I wanted and my aim was I wanted somehow to be able to stand up and say to the staff that I work with, your wellness matters to me. That was very...
1: Was that because you were worried that... Jobs were making people sick themselves. Yeah,
2: I, I think everybody was under a lot of stress and strain. And I think it's it's a thing that's reflected um, you know, all over the country. you know, everybody that's working in emergency departments over the winter. And and with uh, you know, I'm not just saying it's the emergency departments, that's just the area I have experience with. I'm mm. sure everybody who's in the hospitals over winter is under stress and strain and you, you see the figures being reported. So everybody was feeling under a degree of stress and strain so I, I, I wanted very much to be able to say your wellness matters really that was what it started from and I wanted to do it I did it and there was two other people in the department one of our managers Nicola and one of our nurses who was there at the time Joe who, who felt this strongly as well And mean we, I think it was very much this idea we didn't just want to be telling people that they're well you know we wanted to match it with a gesture because i think it's 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 talking about it and doing something is is the idea as i say we, what we're really short of is that we didn't have a budget and the other thing that we didn't have was time and i think time's quite difficult mm. it's almost as precious you know it's as precious a commodity in somewhere like in an emergency department because it never stops and it never slows down um so it was trying to think of what what could we do and what we did have was the way we arrange our teaching, because we're a teaching department. We, every day at 10 o'clock, deliver 10 minutes of teaching. So that's how we deliver teaching. And it's just a good time to to get all, and we do it to all available staff. And what sort of things would you teach? And In the teaching times, it's traditionally that it's, we you know, we teach. It, you know, it's it was aimed at the doctors, but the nursing staff attend. So you can you just pick a topic, and it can be a guideline in the department. If you know if if, if we have had any incidents or anything that we feel you learn from, because there's a big push in the NHS correctly to learn from incidents, we will do that. So we, it was it was more clinical medical teaching or introduction of new guidelines. Anything we do it at ten. So the department for ten minutes, and it's called ten at ten. The department's used to that 10 minutes obviously if somebody's with a sick patient or there's anything you don't come to it but other people can give 10 minutes at that time there were some of those slots were empty so we decided can we take over a 10 minute slot but dedicate it to wellness um, which seemed reasonable and then it was what can we do in 10 minutes the fun aspect came from well it came from quite a few places I have done a previous project in the department that I run once a year with drama students from Central School of Speech and Drama using a style of theatre called Forum Theatre, which is a, a style of theatre to question and look at insoluble problems. So it's it's a whole methodology in it. Part of the methodology, there's a lot of improvisation and before the improvisation, there's a lot of just games. So it's a lot of games that you play in, in theatre backgrounds. I'd, I'd also done a communications course for doctors but using dramatic methods that actors use and again you play warm up games and you know, I've I've done a little bit of other things in my life and and there was quite a lot of these playing of warm up games so I'd realized that the staff when we did the project did respond very well to playing the warm-up games, and and the more I thought about them, the more I realised that actually, although they look very silly and trivial on on the outside, you, and again, I find it sometimes quite difficult to explain the games. But the games are things like you get people to clap in a certain rhythm, you do things like that, and the games are all really there to to teach responsiveness and connectivity. What's the a sort of theatre called? Forum theatre. So theater. it's um. It's a style of theatre which was created by a gentleman called Augusto Boal, who was a Brazilian in the 50s, 60s and 70s. And he, he, it's also known as Theatre of the Oppressed, and he used it to try and start a dialogue. In Brazil at that time, the peasantry were being oppressed by a very far-right military junta, And it was really to get them to start looking at their situation and and could they change their situation. Um, And I'd done a few projects in that because I'm very interested in that style of theatre. So I got the games particularly from that. And as I say, the games are there to just and a lot of actors use them in warm ups because they're they're trying to turn, I suppose, individuals into an ensemble cast. Okay, And that's what I felt, again, we want to do in the department. You you want you're working in a team, so you want to, to turn individuals into an ensemble cast. And also, you know, from my belief, you went back to fun. I think if you're engaged in anything that's fun or anything that's creative, it's really working the same way as mindfulness, mm. because you have to be completely in the moment mm. and in the present, and it stops you focusing on the past or the future. So it, it's a, it, I think it's, it's the same. It's, it's a, um, a wellness practice that's the same as mindfulness, and certainly the NHS is endorses mindfulness amongst its staff. And that's one of the things they recommend. But it was like trying, it was like doing a similar, like a group mindfulness yeah. activity if you've got people to play these games and, and do that.
1: And what was the impact? Did, did everyone warm to it initially? Cause it, um, I suspect it's quite a serious environment at times. Um, right? I think
2: the first day we did it, at the time, Jo, who was the nurse, she had done the theatre project. And she had also at one stage, I think in her life, worked as a children's entertainer. So she was, she was the perfect person to like go in and do the games. To be fair, the first day I didn't go in because I just sort of, I stayed out in the department because I, I sort of said- Embarrassed No, I think it was more that I thought I really will stay out in the department to get to, you know, because I just had this idea, if anybody came and asked, you know, where are some people trying to explain they were playing games, yes. so she, she took them in and, and did it for 10 minutes and she played I think there's a game that we play quite a lot called 10 Second Object where you just get everybody to go into two teams and you say we'll give you 10 seconds and together as a team recreate and you can say a film or, and and we, we played that one quite a lot, you know, we, 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 and then we, you know over the time we, we gave various topical things like, I don't know, the Royal Wedding or, um, the time reform. reformed right. you just you know you just various, the, the world cup and, you know, and various things so so that that was one of the games she played i can't remember what else she did then there's the one that you can play quite a huge um you get everybody just to play um paper rock scissors but you know and then have a sort of almost massive tournament okay. um, and then we, we that that one was always quite funny to play as well because we've got quite a lot of of staff members who's who's English isn't their first language, so, so we used to quite often get them people to do it in their own language. Okay. It, was, it was quite, it was quite nice to watch, and um, and I remember there was one very funny day when the person who won it, I think, was Chilean or Peruvian, and then then we all then she sang the Peruvian national, the Chilean national <laughs> anthem, and it was, it was it was just various things like that that became, you know, and they were funny and people did laugh, and I think even that day. I think that the response was that um, people were a bit like what on earth are you doing but they, they, they all just laughed and then they, they came out and they all said it was quite funny and they felt quite um, quite energized really.
1: Over time were you able to measure in a stressful environment were you able to measure any impact from
2: it? I think the various things so what I have figures that I haven't that we always took feedback on yeah. it, that I haven't I haven't had time to sit and go through. What we did do was we were able to take those 10 minutes and then last year in February and March, we were able to hold nine full days or it was in the afternoon we did other things, but in the morning we did like an hour's worth of the games. Yeah. And we did it, Joe wrote a treasure hunt that we sent people around the hospital in um, and then we had a creative task. So the other thing we introduced was creativity as well. Going back a little bit to the 10 minutes we also discovered, you know, we got somebody to come in and did silk painting for 10 minutes, which again proved to many people the act of sitting, painting a small square template seemed to, everybody loved doing that. We discovered somebody else in the hospital was a member of the Magic Circle, one okay. of the Peds consultants, and he came down and did a little magic show. So it was it was very much, we we're trying to do fun activities, the games or, or creative activities. And then we, we held nine whole days, which... We got 110 staff members through those. At the end of those, we again took feedback and I asked, It's there's something called the Edinburgh Warwick Wellness Scale, which is, I think it's 14 sort of positively worded aspects of wellness, but we asked, I think, seven of those that it could apply to just how you were feeling on the day. You know, how connected you feel to others, how um, positive, how energized, how cheerful. And we measured those and I think at the end, of it and all but one of them everybody scored themselves eight or above out of 10 and one a confident I can't remember which one it was now they maybe was 78 percent scored eight out of 10 and actually there was a third or more of people scored themselves 10 out of 10 wow, yeah. and cheerful I think it was something like 75 percent gave themselves 10 out of 10 so I think last year during you know it was a very in February and March were classically very busy months that I, at least for one day, had <coughs> out of a majority- of people. A cheer, just on that day maybe, but so we did that measure. Um, I think the other measures that we looked at at the time we asked if people liked it and so you know practically 95 people said they you know they really enjoyed it and and they wanted it again um and even the five that didn't you know they say they enjoyed it but wasn't for them nobody put down that they hated it if you like um i think the other things we were able to measure last year we we did look at you know ed performance in the kind of world that's always asked about so that's the the four hour target that's our government performance measure so our performance didn't alter last year when we were running these days from the year before but our attendance has increased by eight percent
1: so okay so so there's fewer sick days
2: Well, I think we, I don't know if it was that. I think there's maybe other things that were affecting performance to do, nothing to do with my wellness days, to do with how well the organisation, you know, what the organisation was doing to keep up with with the attendances. But it was more the point to try and make, you know, that that the sky didn't fall in, et cetera. Going back to that idea is fun People find fun a little bit trivial mm. you know that the idea of taking everybody away for one day and letting them do fun things didn't impact on what you would say is our day-to-day business there, yes. there's an anxiety that that of that it didn't impact on the day-to-day business and um, when we looked at sickness in april after the two months of the days it was down 33 percent compared to the april before right. now again we've not done anything to, to isolate was there you know I can't say that that was definitely the wellness days but again it's, it's, a, it's a you know it's a quite a, a positive thing to see and, and last winter was the time when there was a lot of sickness about because there was um Aussie flu yeah. it was the beast from the east so it wasn't that we had a particularly gentle or mild winter last winter when we did them so that that was yeah. another thing. and I think I saw in the stats that
1: you said that you you said that admissions were up six percent year. and so like demand was up yeah
2: so I think I think that was it so it was um that was the performance. Our, our okay, attendances okay, were okay. up um, 8% compared okay, to the okay, year okay. before, but our performance. So, so we're always measured uh, how many people come in and leave the department within four hours. That's the standard. Right government emergence if you read the papers that's a a four-hour target so our performance against that remained the same despite the fact that 8% increase in attendances so okay that's good so we we did you know so that that was where we were last year so that our performance didn't so it was it was really the point that you know again I think there was lots of of reasons that why our performance remained the same with the increase in attendances to do how organization and work but it it was just more to make the point that certainly yeah having fun did did not cause the sky to fall in and there wasn't anarchy and there wasn't a kind of like you know complete meltdown of services because we we allowed the staff one day to go off and
1: uh. you mentioned in that wellness score there was a sense of people feeling connected to each other and energized by each other that's an interesting start point isn't it and I i think that's often what a lot of workplaces neglect the sense that people need to feel part of something bigger than them?
2: Well, I I think that's what I'm very interested in. And and, and I started doing it thinking of the individual. So it was a group activity, but I wanted, you know, I was thinking of the individual. I think there's certainly, when I've read on it, say you have three intrinsic drives in life that will drive you, and and they are a sense of belonging, a sense of competence, and a sense of autonomy. So I certainly think, as you're saying, to feel part of a team is, is that feeling of belonging, yeah. really. I think, as I say, I learned the games, or I encountered them in theatre projects. So again, it's bringing that, it's turning individuals into an ensemble cast. Mm. And, and the games are, are dealing with sensitivity, you know, being responsive to people. It, it's that kind of, of um, thing that that's where they, they lie in. I think there's quite a lot of scientific reasons that um, when you laugh, it inhibits your fight or flight response, so you, you will you bond with people you laugh with laughing is a very complex thing that so i think you use more bits of your brain to laugh than you do to express any other emotion so building those connections in the brain tends to connect people as well so i think that's probably a huge reason why you have this so if you laugh together you will, you will bond together and I think that's quite I think that's a very important
1: thing. would you ever encourage people to laugh with patients or is there a line that you or sort and, of? Um,
2: no I think when you're with patients we, we you know we, we will laugh and we will interact and, and do and engage with patients in that way if, if yeah. it's appropriate um, I think there's also a charity called kissing it better that's in existence at the moment that I've I've, I've spoken to and I've, I've done some you know I've had meetings with its founder who's a lady called Jill and, and what what they do is she's got volunteers who will come into hospital and and will chat to patients and read to them but, but entertain them. So she, she, she's, she does a similar thing with patients that, you know, so, so it's, it's a sort of similar idea. Right. I, think, I think a lot of it also is, as you say, it's that sense of belonging and that, it's that sense of, of, of seeing the, the humanness in each other. Mm. I think everybody wants to see the humanness in each other. I think that that's one of the things about it as well. And I think that's quite an important thing. The medical profession has got better. I don't think we're perfect, but we've got better, even in the time I've trained the doctor, to 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 think of patients as, as whole people. You know, when I was a junior doctor, it was a long time ago, but it was very much, you, you saw people just as the person with the chest pain or the person, and you know, the, the pneumonia. Whereas now, you know, we've become better better at, at not doing that. But then I, I don't think we do it with our own sometimes,
0: sometimes.
2: Right. And, and I think that was, for me, the other thing that came out of the project as well was even, I, I felt I knew the staff quite well, but it was, it was quite interesting what you began when you just had that day and you spent a day and you began to see who could draw, who could sing. Mm. You, you began to understand. So I think there's something about seeing the whole person as well. That is, And I think that's a, an act of appreciation. And this comes up quite a lot when people talk about dissatisfaction with jobs. They don't feel appreciated. And I think appreciation goes beyond saying, well done and thank you. I think there's something about seeing the whole person and, and knowing and understanding things about them and that you know you, you discovered you know and even things that seemed very silly and ridiculously you know, who had cats and who loves cats and who loves dogs and as I say who who suddenly when they were put in a room out of that environment you know there, there were some of the days where it just whatever happens you with the right the certain combination of people you know, people would just walk into that room and I would just light up the room and and, and to see that with people I think is 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 incredibly gratifying. And I think that's an, an act of appreciation and enabling yeah. people to do that.
1: It, it seems to be that, isn't it? it? It's like it's enabling people to see the humanity in yeah. each other. Because sometimes, especially when people are immensely busy, yeah. it almost feels, back to your trivial point, it would feel like an indulgence to spend a long yeah. time trying to find out, to get yeah. to know someone.
2: And I think that's probably one of the things, you know, they think there's a lot of talked about with the NHS and and. And why, why stress and, and, and burnout and all these things are so high, um, I, I think probably just the job has become more intense since I started as a, as a junior doctor. so I, I feel part of it is when I, when I worked as a junior doctor. There was just more pockets of five minutes downtime where nothing was happening. When I did night shifts as a junior doctor, it quite often would get quietish at about five o'clock. Mm. So you could sit for maybe an hour or so and chat with the people you were on shift with. And certainly, I think it's become a lot more intense. So all those those little moments and pockets have, have gone. And I think it was in those downtimes times that people bonded and they, they, they forged a relationship and they were able to offer a little bit of support. Um, and I think they've gone now. So I think it's trying to having to give them back yeah. in other ways. And I sort of felt as well when people became stressed and, and I noticed it in myself too, that when you became stressed, it's almost like you you do retreat into your own and it's suddenly everybody's individually being mm. stressed. And I sort of think you have to, you can't build a team when it's like that. I think you have to build, I think you have to create a, a, a quiet time to build a team. And in medicine, I think we've got very good at, you know, there's certain activities we we, we do as teams. So if somebody comes in and cardiac arrest, or certainly, there's a teamwork to it. And I think maybe we've got very good at Practicing, you know, task-based team activities, but I still think there's a place to just build people getting to know each other and and and. and growing together as yeah. individuals and I, I that that was one of the reasons i think it is important you bond with people you laugh with and that that's not a trivial idea mm. that you know it is it is a fact that's why people fall in love with people they laugh with that's why people's friendships are quite often forged and people you laugh with there's something laughing's an incredibly healthy and it's a com- incredibly powerful thing so that's that's why i think yeah there was an importance to it
1: yeah more from my discussion with heidi edmondson after this
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've
2: always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas?
0: Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas.
1: The reason why I'm so compelled by it is that it's using a very finite amount of time. In essence, it's the 10 minutes that were the hub of it to sort of replace, you know, we're all familiar with the pub. We used to do a little bit of this social get together or there were were your downtime hours that used to do it in this era now where we're all perpetually busy, it's a recognition that even this tiny little oasis of 10 minutes can build the humanity amongst teams. And it can just be transformational in terms of the way we work together.
2: Yeah, I think one of the, I think that was a comment that people say, well, can't you go to the pub or why don't we go to the pub? And as I sort of say, I'm not have nothing against going to the pub. I, I'm a fan of going to the pub. I think the other problems with going to the pub are it's not actually inclusive. That's you think exactly that, right. You think it's an inclusive, but it's not because there's lots of people who don't feel comfortable or can't go to the pub for can't afford no it, or money, absolutely. health. Bel- you know, there's a myriad of different reasons. I think again, it goes back to the other fascinating thing about fun, poor beleaguered fun that is trivialized. People might trivialize it, but it's actually not as easy to have fun as as you might think. So Mm. you, you can go to the pub and you can laugh and it can be fun. But, but you can go to the pub and you can end up just not laughing and just rehashing the same old problems at work. So sometimes it can act like a bit, a bit of an echo chamber, and you might be fed up, and then you'll go in and you'll continue to be fed up. So, and I say I don't think there's you know I don't think there's anything wrong with people going to the pub. I I go. I think you, know, you can bond. It is a good activity, but I don't think it is a particularly um a good way of doing it. You have to sort of and 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 to really sometimes. Again, if we were using fun as an act of mindfulness, it's not fun or laughter directed because you're laughing at something that's happened at work. It's really trying to get you into space where you're not thinking about the past or the present at all. So it's really getting absorbed in those tasks. And and that does need sort of facilitation and, and a nudge, I think, as well. And finally, you know, I think we're all very busy and it's intense. So, you know, there's an element you're trying to introduce. You know, this started because I wanted to try and have some gesture in the workplace of saying wellness mattered. So then then asking people to do it in their spare time seemed to be counter to what I was trying to do within in the context of the workplace.
1: How do you beat naysayers away? There must be something in the back of your head where you're thinking if someone looking at this with a sort of critical eye might say, why are you playing games on NHS time?
2: I think with regards to that, um, we are, why are we playing games in NHS time? So I think we were very, very uh, careful that the time we played games in, so the 10 minutes, was in, it, it wasn't teaching time. So I think that... that, that so it was already time. It, it it, so we, we took over a slot. Mm. We took over a slot that we had and, and to begin with, we took over the empty slots. So the slots were there, but if nobody was available to teach on them, we were still doing something in it. So so that was on those. The whole days were, you know, the nurses are entitled to a certain amount of study days. So so it was it was going into their study day. So again, it was a kind of, you know, it wasn't taking time that wasn't there. That was it was study days they had. We took feedback if they'd said. We don't want to do this. Then that would be, we, 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 you know, it was a we were learning it. And as I said, we got ninety-seven percent wanted the day again. So again, it was done in that in that time. I certainly think for team building. I think when we looked on it, you know, there's quite a lot about the necessity for NHS to work together in teams. And if you look at, at lots of things, it's the patient safety issue now as well. Actually, mm. so if you go, so if you go two things about NHS staff why should NHS staff be well it is a patient safety issue and actually lots of in the world if you examine incidents or things that happen there's a whole lot of human factors and there is per team communication per team dynamics so those things are all affected and go into patient safety as well You know, we've tried to use you know, the 10 minutes now to adapt to some of the improvisation we, we've certainly looked at We've acted out things like incivility, which is, comes up quite a lot in the NHS now as a, as a patient safety issue, just the way people talk to each other and communicate with each other. We've done improvisation games around that. So I've used fun to also explore issues that are... are so that's the sort of, I suppose, interface of fun and creativity yeah. to explore issues. Other times I've got the staff to draw out what they'd like to change. So I've used the creativity to just... You know, I bought just, you know, felt tip pens and glitter and things and got them to draw out what they would like to change within the department, what they wanted more of. Um, so we've you know, so we've tried to use it for that. You know, one of the things that they you know that seemed to be very popular is that you know everybody likes the idea of I don't know I think what what they said they liked or wanted more of was I think somebody you know it came down to sunshine, laughter and cake, which you know was again, <laughs> comes up. Yeah, But then um, then then we did try to use that to, to then once a week we, we then some of the, based on that, the nursing staff, then I was discussing some of them, the nursing staff come up and they've they gone to, so every Thursday afternoon, we just try to have afternoon tea. So we just buy a few cakes and some tea and coffee. And we just, you know, make a huge pot of tea and let everybody come in for f- a few minutes to get it in their allocated break time to again build a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And this is just once a week we we try to do that. You know, just to have a pause for people. You know, so there's a sense of community. So I have tried to use it to also to 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 explore yeah. things and to, to make improvements as well. So yeah, I would say that. You know. And you know is, is if I'd taken all the staff into a room and 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 sat them down and delivered a lecture you know uh, would I you know i you know that's there's there's no difference just you know if you you know there's nothing that says education and exploration you, know, you can build fun into that as well I think actually there was a survey that fun um you know innovation and problem solving really is to do with creativity and, and, and how you encourage creativity in people and certainly there was one experiment that they had two groups of people um, where they got one group to watch a film that was funny and then the other group to watch bizarrely The Shining I think and then they got them to do some problem solving exercises and there was a significant difference in the group that had watched the funny film. Okay. So I think again, you know, a lot of our job is problem solving and so a lot of even when you're working it's problem solving and then taking a step back and, and the wider managerial issues of the NHS or strategic development, it, it does require creativity and problem solving. So again, all these things are are probably I think informing or helping it. Yeah.
1: Just giving you the mental space yes. to, yeah. to, to be a bit more inventive. Yeah thank you very much no problem thank you you'll be interested in finding full details on Forum Theatre and the games it suggests in the notes to the episode I also link to them in the next New Work Now mail out and you can get that by going to the website Eat Sleep Work Repeat and subscribing to the email I really hope you enjoyed that as much as I did feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn you can also follow me or Heidi or all of the people on Twitter thanks for listening see you next time